How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Decisions Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Short, and joining me, as always, is my good buddy, Andrew. Hello, hello. Now, before we get into this week's episode, we want to make sure everybody's aware that you can be getting us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now, if you're getting us on Apple Podcasts and you feel like it, we'd love for you guys to drop us a five-star review. And if you do so, we'll shout you out on next week's show. So we really appreciate that. Uh, One other thing before we start the episode for this week, a little news uh, since last week. We're looking at Darius Geis pretty much got dropped like a hot potato. Andrew, I know you owned him in a few leagues. What's What's the skinny on this situation? So Darius Geis was released from the Washington football team on alleged charges, or I guess it was charges, of two counts of domestic violence, property damage, and then one count of strangulation, which over there in Virginia is a felony. So not really, yeah, not really a really great um, situation looking for there over for Darius Geis, just to kind of let you know what I did with him in my leagues. I was able to trade him for LaShawn McCoy, who had signed with the Buccaneers, and then another league, I mean, I've seen stranger things happen in the NFL. So I may just hold him in one league too. But the one thing that's very certain is that that Washington backfield is is anyone's situation here. Yeah, so speaking about situations, uh, this week's episode is going to be Andrew and I's favorite rookie situations going into 2020. So basically, and Andrew, you can comment on this if you want before we start get started here. You know, you have the age-old debate of talent versus situation when you're talking about rookie prospects, right? Absolutely. And, you know, some guys say it's all about getting in the right situation. Some guys say bet on the talent, and eventually talent wins out. Uh, for us, this episode, we're not really siding on either side of that argument, I, I, or at least I'm not, but I do want to talk about with, with this episode who we think has the best situations going into this year and beyond. You agree? Correct. Situation, so not to be confused with talent, we believe these guys have the right tools to become uh, a right-wing fantasy option. Relevant. Yeah, fantasy relevant, you know, like like an outright option for these people in year one. Exactly. And we will discuss in here, too, you know, obviously these are going to be some year one picks, but also the future upside as well. Uh, some of these guys um have have the year one upside but then even further going forward to for years in advance so with uh without further ado the first guy we've got also one more thing we've got these guys organized by alphabetical order so they aren't ordered in any like tiered level of how good the situation is we just you know put up a list of some guys put them in alphabetical order and we're going to go down the list don't don't try and and don't try and tear break us whenever we're we're not not even trying to tear break us we're not tearing. There's no tearing here. There's no just, tearing. Just names. So the first guy, and I'll open up with him, is going to be old AGG Antonio, not Antonio Gibson over there in Washington, Antonio oh. Gandy Golden. So Gandy Golden played at Liberty University, kind of a small school, and uh, he's over there with Washington. Now, I already liked Gandy Golden. He was kind of one of those like later round rookie sleeper picks. But with the injury to Kelvin Harmon, this really opens up um, the opportunity for Gandy Golden to get fantasy relevant right away. I also think, you know, obviously we got Terry McLaurin on the receiver core over there. But after him, you don't really know who who's who's the wide receiver to in Washington, right? And they're going to be looking for anybody that can get uh, production out there. And Gandy Golden's got a great opportunity to 
you know, make the most of it. So I'll be interested to watch him. I also think Haskins is just a developing talent. Um, I, I really like Haskins. If you listen to our episode last week, we both ranked him as a buy low, a great buy low at the quarterback position. And so I think also Gandy Golden was, you know, he's drafted by this coaching staff. So I'm excited about watching him. Andrew, anything to add there? No, I agree entirely with you. Um, there's no clear-cut number two pass catcher on that team. Um, I think it's really going to be between uh, Ganey Golden and Gibson on really who earns that number two uh, pass-catching ability there, too. Because, I mean, you mentioned the the Cody Latimer also, who is on the exempt list. There's a lot of people who just aren't playing, you know. Steven Sims Jr. is another person to bring up in that discussion. I mean, even tied in there a little thin you know undrafted free agent thaddeus moss and they have logan thomas who was a converted quarterback and then you know jeremy sprinkle so he doesn't really have that much competition it would really there's a lot of targets up for grabs for sure exactly so i mean he he's got veteran competition i think he's he's got the younger guys you know kind of there and one one more interesting thing with this Darius Geis thing to think about is, you know, Darius Geis was the caliber running back that if he stayed healthy, you could just theoretically pound him all the time. Without Darius Geis as a clear talent in the backfield, they may not be as run heavy as uh, we might have thought they would have been. So it'll be interesting to see what, you know, what does Washington look like this season and where where does the offensive production come from? So and Gandy Golden's got a good opportunity. And on the flip side of that, too, with Antonio Gibson, now that you said Darius Geis is gone, Gibson could just be used more as a running back. That's true. That's true. Like they were saying. That's true. He might be even more just like he's going to be in the backfield. Right. So So are we ready to move on to our next guy here? Yeah, you take take the lead on this next guy. So this next guy goes by the name of Brandon Ayuk for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, You know, He's a big body kind of guy, six foot two oh five, first year out of Arizona State. He wasn't really someone I was super, super high on his situation coming in, but with the Devo Samuel injury, yep. it opens the door wide open for him. So yep. his main target competition over there are the likes of Dante Pettis, Trent Taylor, Kendrick Bourne, and of course, you know, George Kittle, and then the recent signing of Jordan Reed over there, who I don't see being too much of a threat in the air. But I think that he has the path to success to be the wide receiver one on that team, especially with Debo being placed on the pup list. Supposedly he's going to be, and he's going to at least miss the first few games. He is, on, he is games. on the pup list. He is? Too. Okay. Yes, he's, he's, so they, they came out of an interview with um, with everybody over there in the organization, like the, the higher-ups, saying that Debo Samuel is going to start. You know, There's no timeline. They're not trying to to push him. I think John Lynch it was. Um, he's going to miss some regular season action. I think at that point in time, um, I mean, everyone knows that the, the real big dog over there is George Kittle, but I think that Ayuk could sneakily kind of work his way into an offense that really has some lackluster wide receiver talent on there. Well, yeah, I would agree with that. And look at the use that Debo got uh, last year. I mean, he had 81 targets, 57 receptions. Uh, for 800 yards. I mean, if Ayuk can have a similar amount of target share, because he's kind of in the same situation until Debo gets back, we might see some good production. It's also worth noting uh, that it was said that Shanahan had Ayuk really high on his uh, draft board. So when you're looking at that, you know, always nice to see that the coach really wanted the guy and they went out and got him and, and plan to use him. So 
I think yeah. Ayuk's got a lot of potential to prove himself and look good. So I'm going to move on to the next one, unless you have anything to say about Ayuk there. That's but I it. I, I think it's his job to lose. Yeah, he'll he'll have he'll have a great opportunity. It'll be interesting to see what what they do with him until Debo gets back, and then what it looks like with him and Debo. But the next guy we're going to talk about is the most obvious name on the list when you're talking about a talent versus situation, and the situation being out of this world good. Uh, the Twitter world has been blowing up with stuff with this guy, and it is going to be Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Now, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was already the top candidate for. Uh, situation beating out talent when he got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Everybody was saying, whoever goes to the Kansas City Chiefs Chiefs in the draft, cheats. They're not the Patriots. They're just the Chiefs. <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs in the draft is going to be the, the running back one. And then Clyde went there. And, you know, it was kind of a surprise to people, I think. A lot of people were, like, looking to see DeAndre Swift or something go, and Clyde goes. And apparently Patrick Mahomes, it was he was the guy that pushed for it. He liked what he saw from Clyde on the field with LSU. And they went out and got him in the first round, last pick of the first round. So the big thing to me with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and the talent versus situation debate here and why we love the situation is, if you look at LSU's offense, it was a high-powered, high-scoring, elite-level offense. That is also what Clyde is walking into in Kansas City. He is an elite receiver out of the backfield. So the talent's there to match this extremely, extremely optimal situation. And then the situation gets even better when you have, uh, I, I'm blanking on his name. Damian Williams. D Damian, I wanted to say Damian Harris, but Damian Williams opting out, uh, which was already, you know, there were rumors that they were going to be splitting carries or whatever. And then, you know, he opts out. So Clyde's going to get a lion's share of, of ball touches, carries, targets out of the backfield, everything. And I mean, it's pretty much the sky's the limit. I mean, you're seeing Clyde Edwards Hilaire creep up into the early second, late first of startup draft capital, which to me is a little high right now, but it's crazy. The hype's unreal, but the talent, the situation is, is there. I mean, there's, it's just, it's crazy how good his situation is. Andrew, you have anything to add to that? No, man, you, you nailed Clyde perfectly right there. I'm not going to sit here and repeat anything that you said. That was perfect. Well, yeah, I know you tweeted. I saw you tweeted the other day. You know, this is the classic debate of talent versus situation because a lot of people viewed the guy as not the most talented prospect, mm -hmm. but you cannot deny the elite, and I'm talking elite level of situation he's in. So it'll be really interesting to watch it unfold. Absolutely. So I guess we'll move on to the next cat then. Yeah, let's do it. Another running back, right? Another running back. Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State for the Tennessee Titans also known as Derrick Henry's backup. So yep. I think with Darrington Evans, I think he, he had a good uh, college career. I mean, he went Appalachian State, so it's not a huge school, but he was featured there for most of his uh, tenure. But the big thing that sticks out to me about him is that he's filling a void that Deion Lewis was supposed to fill last year. So... I, we all say we watched Deion Lewis kind of excel whenever he was with the Patriots, but he came over to Tennessee and didn't do near as well as people thought he was going to be too. Also could have yeah. the fact that Derrick Henry was extraordinary on the ground last year. But something that I like on him is that uh, Ryan Tannehill came out and said that he's super impressed with Evans, you know, saying that his pass catching is really, really good. And he's quick. He's a fast little bugger. You know, I say he's a little, he's 5'10", 203. That's a big boy. But he 
has the perfect role over there in Tennessee because I think Derrick Henry's career high for catches is like 18 or something. Yeah, his, not... his career high targets is, in fact, was last year with only 24. So and Yeah, and he caught 18 of those passes. So he had exactly. 18 catches, you know, and Deion Lewis vacated a lot of his targets, you know. So I think Darrington Evan is, is quick. I think he has the skill set, and I think that he is a perfect fit into this offense. You know, I mean, they have the, the wide receiver in A.J. Brown and, and Corey Davis, you know, and Johnny Smith, if you want to go that far with it. But I think that he has the opportunity to make a serious name for himself as like a change of pace, one-two punch with Derrick Henry back there. I agree. I think he walks into, he is the Titans' answer to the, uh, you know, to the pass catching back that they need. I mean, it, to me, the situation's great there because they drafted a need. He's their guy. Uh, Henry's not going to start catching more balls all of a sudden. So uh, he's going to have an opportunity to contribute right away. And I think the other thing to talk about too is, you know, we saw the contract that Henry got, the four-year deal. And to me, if I'm Tennessee, you sign Derrick Henry to a four-year deal. You don't want to just run him into the ground as much as, you know, the usage might go down a little bit for Henry to preserve him. And so Darrington Evans is going to be the clear benefactor of that as well. So it'll be interesting to see how much they use him, not just in the pass-catching role, but maybe just change pace, stuff like that. And like you said, it's nice that Tannehill seems to like him. Always good to earn your quarterback's respect a little bit, right? Exactly, exactly. So the next guy um, that we're going to talk about is wide receiver, and it's going to be old lizard man himself, Henry Ruggs, uh, now over there with Las Vegas. And I'm a huge Henry Ruggs fan. I really like him as a talent. And then when you see John Gruden go get him for the first wide receiver off the board, the situation to me seems kind of ideal. Um, reason being, Las Vegas, I, I always want to say Oakland, but Las Vegas doesn't have anybody to catch the ball other than Darren Waller. And so they go out and get Henry Ruggs, who's already an elite speed talent, and he's got the chance to just get all the targets. I mean, he's he could be the wide receiver one there, and he probably should be. If you look at Alabama last year on 40 receptions, he had 746 yards and seven touchdowns, which is pretty crazy in a very crowded receiver uh, receiving room there in Alabama. And so I'm really excited with the situation for Henry Ruggs. Let's see what Henry Ruggs can do when he gets more target share. Let's see what Henry Ruggs can do when he when he sees more balls. This guy's a big when he sees more balls. God. You know what I mean? <laughs> but let's see what can happen with this guy when he gets, you know, when he gets more opportunity and 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 it's his job to lose there at Las Vegas and I like Derek Carr as a kind of dark horse quarterback. The guy takes care of the football. He plays well and I'm going to and I'm also going to be interested to see if John Gruden like schemes Henry Ruggs into not just some passing attempts, but also some rushing attempts to get him the ball every once in a while, like end around and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see. And I think he's going to just be a cornerstone of that offense over there. Nope. I'm, I'm wholeheartedly on board with you on that too. Um, from a report that came out a couple of days ago, it looks like they're going to put him in the slot or he'll start off in the slot. Yeah, I saw that. Um, which pushes Hunter Renfro out too, which like you said, there's, there's not really any star studded, stellar wide receivers over there you know they drafted henry yeah. ruggs and brian edwards too but i mean hunter renfro was was a bright spot on that offense last year 
And if yeah. it kind of pushes him out of there, I mean, who does he have to compete with? You know, we have Darren Waller, we have the aging Nelson Aguilar, and then we have Tyrell Williams, who's also, I mean, they're they're not old, but they're they're not. It's just a bunch of Jags, more or less. I mean, it's non-talented kind of people, people who are literally there to just fill a role where Henry Ruggs is the complete package. And I think that he's going to bring a huge spark to this Las Vegas offense. Agreed. Agreed completely. So moving on to old Rager, uh, you want to take it away? Yep, sure you do. This on paper looks to be uh, Philadelphia's wide receiver one, right? They also are filled with, you know, kind of a bunch of Jags, too, and people who can't stay on the field. So it got so bad last year that, you know, they brought in uh, Arcega Whiteside, who a lot of people are excited about, too. But they brought it got in so bad. Like, like what? Whiteside, don't be hating on Whiteside, dude. The guy still has a chance to be something this season. Right. Got- so he was struggling. He was a talented prospect. Right, I know it's it's the recency bias. What have you done for me lately? So there's not too much competition for Rager, you know, and not to mention him and Arcega Whiteside, you know, don't they have kind of similar body types to an extent, you know, Rager at five eleven, two hundred six, Whiteside at six two, two twenty five. He's a big body possession receiver too, but I mean, it's the draft capital that makes you think. Oh, for sure, this guy was drafted over Justin Jefferson, who. I was shocked not, by that, but I'm not may a big not talk fan. about. I and once again, this is situation, not talent, right? So, oh, I Rager, agree. Rager's talent or Rager's situation is perfect. You know, it I, is. I think he's he's got to compete with Desan Jackson, who can't stay on the field, Alshon Jeffrey, who can't stay on the field. Then he's got kind of people who you know struggled at times last year. So I think that with this offense and Carson Wentz is consistent as all can be. And then I, I just think right now it's, it's, his, it's his job to control his own destiny over there in Philadelphia. And I think that he can make a great, great addition to this team, big-bodied character. I mean, I, I, think, he, I think it's a oh, perfect yeah. situation for him, especially coming out of something similar at TCU. Well, there's no question that the, the wide receiver uh, room over there in Philadelphia is pretty much vacant. Uh, they need their answer for the future. And Rager might be that for sure. I mean, other than that, it's like Greg Ward. And then apparently it got so bad that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, even though I think J.J. is going to have a redemption coming into this year. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Rager, it's kind of, he's he's going to be the guy. And he's got a great situation. There's no denying that. So I agree with everything there. Um, next guy is going to be, oh, God. So one of our favorites, man. So we got three LSU Tigers on this list. And, you know, it's not. It's not bias. <laughs> it's not. It's not. These guys actually do have great. They have situations. good situations. But the next one I want to talk about is old Joe Burrow, baby. And this is, I mean, he's probably my favorite rookie going into. He's he's one of the few guys I try to never let my bias sway me. But Joe Burrow, I will trade a lot for Joe Burrow. I mean, I just love the man. I'm really excited to watch him at the NFL level. Um, before I talk about the situation, I will. Break a little bit of the rule here to just say Joe Burrow has those mental attributes that you look for in a quarterback that to me, he just, it could set him apart as an elite asset. I I really like the guy. I love his attitude, his leadership skills. He's a lot, there's a lot of things you look for in a quarterback that Joe Burrow has. But anyway, on to the situation. So getting picked up first overall, as we all saw, to the Cincinnati Bengals. 
And I tell you what, I love the situation over there. One, I like Zach Taylor as a coach. This guy was the quarterback's coach over at uh, the Rams, and he was also a wide receiver coach. He's an offensive-minded coach. And they also have an absolutely stacked wide receiver room over there in Cincinnati and offense in general, if you look at it. I mean, you're looking at A.J. Green, which we just saw a report the other day. He's looking healthy and like his old self, air quotes. And uh, that's exciting if A.J. Green can be um, anything like his old self, because that would be nice. Uh, you got Tyler Boyd, who's an emerging young receiver that looks great. Auden Tate, John Ross, another elite speedster. And the addition of T. Higgins, who I love. T. Higgins. I, I, if they, if the wide receiver room wasn't so crowded there at Cincinnati, I would have had T. Higgins on this list because I think T. Higgins is great. He would be a talent versus situation for me, uh, talent-wise right now, because I think long-term T. Higgins might be one of the guys to own uh, over there. But I like, I like Cincinnati's offense a lot. Joe Mixon is an excellent pass catching back as well. Joe Burrow has all the weapons. Um, and it's pretty much they gave him the keys to the Corvette. And I really think Cincinnati is going to try to build a football team around Joe Burrow. And he's the kind of guy that you can do that with. So I'm really excited to watch that unfold. Andrew? Nope, you nailed it, man. They they have everything in trust. Everything. This offense is going to revolve around him like it usually does with the quarterback. But number one pick overall, high draft pedigree coming off. I'm pretty sure he was breaking records at LSU. Yes, like NCAA completion percentage. Uh, yardage, everything. everything. I mean, he had 5,600 yards. Name a name a record. Touchdowns. Name a record, and Joe Burrow broke it in college. So I, I think 60 touchdowns. The situation's perfect. They they literally have this high powered offense, like you said, offensive minded head coach ready to rock and roll with this cat, I, and he has I can't no, wait nobody behind him. <laughs> yep, I can't wait to watch the Bengals. I, I, it's going to be a lot of fun to see if they can. You know, the line at the Bengals is one thing I, I hope they can continue to address and improve. And I think if they do that, they have the chance to be a good football team. And especially for fantasy purposes, uh, I'm really excited to watch them. So, for sure, for sure. Cool. I also own like Joe Burrow and or Joe Mixon in almost like every league. So, I'm pretty yeah. much a Bengals fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Re- refugee. It's crazy. I have so many damn freaking. Joe Mixon or Joe Burrow shares. I'm in there with the Mixon boat too. So the next cat, right? Another quarterback. Another quarterback, another J quarterback, Justin Herbert for the Los Angeles Chargers. So Justin Herbert is in a prime situation over there in Los Angeles due to just like Joe Burrow, you know, he has all these fantastic weapons around him. He's got, longevity of weapons around him you know he has the austin eckler who just signed the four-year deal who's ready to move along there he has an exciting backup justin jackson too you know i mean he's he's not a household name but i think he will be i think he's going to do great (laughs) things over there and then they also drafted another running back to go along with justin herbert back there too so not to mention Mm -hmm. he also has you know the the keenan allen and mike williams duo and Hunter Henry, I, I think that, like you said, he may not be starting right now. We're talking about situation and long-term factors with him. Tyrod Taylor is not the answer to any franchise. We've, I've said this before. He's a bridge quarterback. You know, He was in Baltimore. He was in Buffalo. He was in Cleveland. And now he's coming over here to yeah, the Chargers. A journeyman. A journeyman. He, he, exactly. You know, So he's going to kind of 
bridge the way and teach Justin Herbert. He's going to get keys to the Corvette, like you like to say, to this nice Los Angeles Chargers offense. And not to mention the cat's a gunslinger, and he's got two really, really great receivers on the outside ready to catch and go deep and score all the points that they can off these guys. Yeah, I'm excited to see. I mean, I think this is another case where the Chargers went out and got Justin Herbert. And, you know, this year it'll be interesting to see how much when when they make the transition to Herbert when it happens. But the thing to think about, too, is going forward. This is really, to me, one of those situation things where the Chargers are going to attempt to build a football team around Justin Herbert. He was there. He's their pick of the future, so to speak. And it'll be interesting to watch this team develop around him. And, you know, like you said, I mean, the Mike Williams and Justin Herbert connection to me is going to be interesting because Mike Williams is such a deep ball specialist and Herbert can freaking – he is – when you watch him in the combine, I mean, he is a cannon. The He's guy a gunslinger, man. Gunslinger. Yeah, I'm excited to watch, um, you know – how how that develops and and again you know these all the quarterback situations I actually like this year the the starting ones even Jordan loves I, I actually kind of like too um, for a future situation but you know it really showed you I, it'll be interesting when we look back on this year and like how good was this year for quarterback I mean Joe Burrow Justin Herbert and Tua all could be like seriously good quarterbacks in the and NFL. Jordan Love too and Jordan Love when he gets his opportunity which might it might even be a year from now and this could be one of the more stacked quarterback classes we've seen in a while it'll be interesting to see how if they pan out and I, I I've been a fan of Justin Herbert for a long time kind of as like the the dark horse quarterback to get this draft so it'll be interesting I'm excited I was just laughing about all the J quarterbacks that came through Joe Burrow Justin Herbert Jordan Love Love, and then Jacob Eason too for the Colts yeah (laughs) and then Jake Fromm and Jake Fromm (laughs) good lord that is crazy but yeah I mean if you well yeah and there's another one Jake uh Jacob Eason could be uh something once Philip Philip Rivers goes so you never know I mean it's interesting it'll be interesting to see I, I really like the quarterback class we got this year um going into our last we might have an extra after this, I guess, but our last main guy we wanted to talk about, another Justin, another LSU Tiger, and my the, he might be my favorite rookie to be grabbing in the other than the obvious answers um, in this draft, and it's Justin Jefferson. And I love the situation up there in Minnesota. Primarily, the first thing I want to talk about here is the comparison where Justin Jefferson at LSU played along with Jamar Chase is kind of a one-two situation here. Uh, Justin Jefferson did have 111 receptions last season. Jamar Chase had slightly fewer, uh, but he also, but Jamar Chase was kind of the big play guy where Justin Jefferson was kind of like the possession receiver guy. And it suited Justin Jefferson super well. I mean, he had 1,500 yards last season at LSU and 18 freaking touchdowns. I mean, that's unreal. Now, the thing that I love about his situation in the NFL is that he's got Adam Thielen there. And to me, it's kind of another – he's walking into a similar situation as what he had in college. He's got another elite-level receiver in Adam Thielen to take some targets, to to be a big play guy, and Justin Jefferson can just do his damage across the middle of the field, get those targets, get and, and get receptions, and just absolute – and PPR especially, just be a factory for fantasy points. I actually might have Justin Jefferson as my top wide receiver to own for year one production out of this rookie class. 
uh, the, there's not really anybody there to take over for the massive amounts of targets that Stefan Diggs is going to leave behind. And, and that's where I just see a, a big opportunity for Jefferson. I mean, you're looking at Irv Smith Jr., Ola BC, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. So it should be, I mean, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson with the tight end and uh, Irv Smith and maybe a little Rudolph as the only real receiving threat. So I think Justin Jefferson's just got the, he's got a huge amount of opportunity. And then looking forward, Adam Thielen's 30 years old and has had some injury issues last season that he struggled getting healthy from. I mean, there might even be more opportunity for Justin Jefferson. We might be seeing Justin Jefferson as the main wide receiver in a couple years over there in Minnesota as the guy, uh, depending on how Adam Thielen's body holds up. We saw a little bit of faltering there last season, so it'll be interesting to watch. No, for sure. And then not to mention, I mean, he's by no means the most you know, attractive quarterback when it comes to fantasy, but he's the, one of the, if not the most consistent quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Absolutely. Man. Kirk Cousins is is a fantastic quarterback uh, to have running your offense, running the reins there, too. And you talked about Stefan Diggs, too. I think Justin Jefferson has the potential to overtake what Stefan Diggs there uh, did in the slot over there for the Minnesota Vikings. I think Justin uh, Jefferson's more dynamic. Exactly. That's that's a perfect way to put it. He's more dynamic. He's more he's more of a attractive fantasy commodity than those two, too as well i think because uh of the kirk cousins aspect on it too just being consistent over the middle he's going to be a ppr darling i believe so well justin jefferson can make those big plays he can run those routes and get those big deep ball plays but he can also get that underneath the slants the quick slants the cross the shallow crosses and stuff and and just grind in the middle. We saw it happen at LSU so much where he would get the ball in the in high traffic areas and make plays and get yardage and get receptions. And and that's great for a receiver in PPR league. I, I mean, think I think Minnesota's scheme fits him well. I really do. I agree. I agree. I'll be excited to watch that one. So that was our main uh those were our main players. I know there was one more guy that we almost added to the list, our, our, which would have been our only tight end. We got a little extra time, so Adam Troutman, Andrew, if you want to talk about him a little bit, um, he, what's, he is, what's your thoughts? He's 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 a pretty interesting fellow, man. He's he a little really sneaky is. for you, huh? He is. I mean, he's a big-bodied, super athletic cat. So he's 6'5", 255, coming out of Dayton College down there. So the big thing that I like about Troutman in his situation is that Jared Cook's not going to be around forever either. Correct. And even in New Orleans we still see them use the likes of who is it Josh Hill and they had another one too and i think he left yeah, Dan they Arnold whatever he yeah. was around too yeah they didn't mind cycling through some tight ends it yeah, wasn't so always just uh, Jared Kirk. Cook's not young man you know he's 33 he has a concussion history he has all this injury history too and it's very possible that Troutman steps up in an offense that utilizes the tight end so jared cook still gets a lot of targets still gets a lot of looks and people are saying oh well drew Brees is gone well that's fine you know the saints went out and signed Jameis winston even though it's a one-year deal it could turn into something more there's not this For big sure. hole being left inside of that offense and i just think troutman fits the scheme well i think that with the michael thomas and the addition of emmanuel sanders emmanuel sanders is only on a two-year deal and there's really been no big second wide receiver there too and usually when it comes to tight ends they 
break out a little bit later, but I think Troutman was high on Sean Payton's board. He got he his guy. Yep. He kind of went and reached. I think he said he reached a little bit on him, but go out and get he your guy. He wanted to get him. Yeah. Yep. So I think that once once Jared Cook's kind of gone, I think that Troutman becomes an elite asset to this high-powered Saints offense already, and there's I, just no looking back for him. I agree, and that's what that's what I was really going to say. Is my favorite thing about his situation is that I trust Sean Payton to maintain a high-level offense there in New Orleans, and uh, whether that's you know going forward with with Winston or with another quarterback, uh, I think that the Saints. You know, I trust when they have a guy that they really want to get, and that was Adam Troutman here. And so I do think he's got the, – the situation there is great, especially, like you said, with any tight end looking forward down the road for this guy. He might be a really good sleeper pick to go ahead and grab him right now. So uh, I think that's everything on every one. And, Andrew, do you have anything to add before we sign off for the week? Not too much to add, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Decision and follow myself at Andrew underscore NFL if you have any questions, discussions. And then I'm more than happy to talk about how I feel about Clyde Edwards already. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, jump in, uh, follow us on Twitter. We sometimes we post some little blurbs about what we're thinking. You might get some hints about some episodes we have coming up. And feel free to message us on there anytime you have you want trade advice or just general fantasy advice or whatever. We love chatting about it. And uh, if it's a good question, we might even use it on the show as some content. So we appreciate it, guys. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you.